Morning by Lawson and... Minnie! And you're listening to The Breakfast Show. Minnie, how are you doing? Wait, I feel so nostalgic. I haven't been here for, oh, I don't know, over a year. But you're here. I'm here. You're spending time with us. Yeah, yeah. Doing some amazing work, filling in for Lyle because he's dead. He's not. <laughs> like, well, not really dead. Not dead. Not dead. dead. He's, he's coming back. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Praise I mean, the Lord. He'll be I back. Mean, I mean, he keeps telling me he's having such a hard time with COVID and he's so sick and struggling so much. But like, you know, so I'm, I'm like, man, is this guy, what's, what's this guy's deal? No, nah, like? man, he's Lyle. He'll be back. <laughs> Well, that's what I thought until yeah. until he just kept complaining all the time. No, I'm just I'm just, I'm just having a go, and I'm I'm having a go at someone who's not here to defend themselves because I, I can. Hey, <laughs> well, how are you feeling? What, what's oh, happening, dude? I am like I'm like I'm just winning. Hey. I, like God is good. Um, you know I I have pretty consistent blessings here on the show when we share what we're grateful for in the morning. I'm either talking about food or <laughs> I'm I'm talking about like the work that we're doing at the Newcastle University uh, Church. And God has been really blessing. Like, yeah, yesterday I had a number of Bible studies and uh, just seeing people now. Th- there's a number of my contacts who I kind of met during the O week period, so at the start of the semester, who are now you know, very many Bible studies deep and are kind of making those big decisions to like follow God, to get baptized. And so God is really working on the uni campus and I am absolutely stoked. Like God is good. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. I am joining you with my great friend and co-host Minnie. And I forgot to ask you, Minnie, what are you grateful for this morning? Okay. Okay. This is going to sound really mm, possibly strange, but I'm really th- thankful for um, Australia's social and political climate at the moment because <laughs> the context context is I'm reading this book called the um, Gulag Archipelago, which is all about how hectic Russia was for a hot minute, and wow. I was like, "Wow, life is good. I am blessed. I have no reason to complain. We could be better, but just you know, you get some perspective sometimes, and yeah. you're like, we have it good." Yeah. So there we go. That's- definitely, definitely coming up to the election, social and political climate. So one of the biggest talking points we've been talking about it here on the yeah. on the breakfast show. But praise the Lord, we live in Australia. <laughs> I totally agree. Let's have another clue for well, first, first, first clue for the quiz. What is our first clue? Yeah. Okay. So I'm assuming people understand how this is working now. I haven't well, been here we'll for a while. We'll explain it okay. to them. Yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. But let's give them the clue first. And then okay. We'll, we'll give them a sneaky little explanation. Perfect. I like it. Okay. So this is a who am I? Mm-hmm. And the first question is, my estate went to the queen when Xerxes put me to death. Who am I? Who is this person? Wow. That's what we want to okay. know. Okay. Who's getting uh, put to death? This seems like a very kind of royal setting. And, you know, yes. very, very high-end upper echelon stuff. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer or would like to text the answer. And what can what, what do people do when they text the answer? What can they win? What What's this all about? What are we doing? Okay, so they're getting – it's a prize at the end of the month. Yes. Yeah? Okay. At the end of the week. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. And so if you get this first clue – so first clue, you get two entries, like, to go in the draw to get this prize. Uh-huh. It's an awesome prize. Is this one right? Is it this yeah, one? yeah, that, that <laughs> is the. That is the <laughs> so, yes. guys, I, it's been a while since I've been here, but it is. This is like a set. It's called the Con- Conflict of the Ages. These are amazing books, guys. Uh-huh. You want to get this? Uh-huh. It's free and it's amazing. It's free. It's amazing. It's also expensive, <laughs> but the expenses <laughs> on our end, guys. This is exactly what you want. Me and uh, uh, Danny and I were talking yesterday about these books. Books that we have both read. Yeah. Uh, and they are incredible. The first book in the set actually is a book called Patriarchs and 
prophets.、Mm. Uh, and within that book, you will find absolutely incredible commentary about you know the creation of the world, the flood, like all of these big events that we're covering at the moment in our twenty million movement Bible study, as well as is, is extending all the way through to the time of David. So zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you want into the draw to win this prize. But read that question for them one more yeah, time. Yeah, so it's who am I and. It is my estate. Who is this person? Went to the queen when Xerxes put me to death.、Mm. Okay, who is this person? Yeah, do you know who the person is? Yeah. Okay. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Now, Minnie, what is happening in the world of positively different news? Okay, let me tell you. Side note: I actually love doing this. When I was working on radio, then when I stopped, I just continued telling people on like Instagram. <laughs> I was like, let me tell you a good news story for the day. <laughs> So let me tell you, all of our listeners, I found this really interesting. I love discoveries of animals and different、oh, things. Oh yeah, that's epic. So,、uh, some scientists off the coast of Perth, six kilometers down into the sea. By the way,、uh-huh. I think the deepest point they find is like eight kilometers down, which is still pretty far. I think Mariana's Trench is around ten. It's like it's like the the. Mount Everest upside yeah, down, yeah, upside down, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, but six is super deep. Six,、yeah. Like that's like crushing. Like no actual person. Yeah, no person go can go down.、Yeah. That's right. So this is just three hundred seventy k off the coast of Perth, so Western、wow. Australia.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, yeah, so these scientists sent down just you know local local bait. Um, sorry, a local yabby trap from a local bait shop attached with a hundred thousand dollar deep sea monitoring device. Oh wow! And they attracted two snailfish, and. Yeah, just a snailfish. Which it just looks like a fish. I don't know what makes it a snailfish, except that apparently these deep sea creatures have this almost like a gelatinous like exterior on their skin, uh-huh, uh-huh. which is actually really delicate when it comes to like closer to the surface. So、oh. they have to be real if they're trying to study this. They have to be really careful with even getting it up so they can actually analyze it.、Uh-huh. They didn't expect to find two, and so they were just quite excited by this. And they said what has been really exciting and interesting for them. Is they're seeing all these relationships in other deep sea areas? You know,、mm. it's not just oh, there's now fish in Australia.、Uh, you know, unique to Australia, although they are.、Mm. It's yes, but there's also these interesting connections and relationships about you know deep、mm. sea life and biodiversity, etc. To, to everything around the world.、Mm. And I love this. I love when things get interconnected. I'm like, see, Jesus knew what he was doing. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I deep sea creatures like these fish and whatnot are perplexing because well, we can't survive down there. We are like totally not only because we can't breathe, but even if we have like a breathing apparatus, like we'll you、die. will literally be crushed to death by、yeah. the pressure of the water.、Um, yet they can, and so it said it has like this gelatinous kind of gelatin exterior,、yeah. which. Makes sense, I guess. Maybe it's some kind of mechanism that, like, as it gets deeper, it pressurizes, and when it comes to the surface, it depressurizes, and that's why it's so like. Look, I don't know, but you, you said know, that with so much confidence that I'll believe that as the theory. I, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just thinking this through. But,、yeah. but regardless, like this, while this type of wildlife is, yeah, as I said, very perplexing, very interesting because there's so much we can learn from it. It's like、yeah. because we don't have the capacity to do what they do, and so you know we've built. Craft and watercraft that can go that deep and whatnot,、mm. uh, but I would love for this kind of technology to be applied into some kind of skin-tight pressurized <laughs> suit that would allow you. You know, we've got suits that you can jump in to go super deep that are pressurized, but if we had like some like gel- gelatinous skin-tight suit 
that you could just chuck on like a wetsuit that would let you just go six kilometers deep. That would be the dream. But then at the same time, you go six kilometers deep and there's like no light. And That's the thing. Like, there's all these other factors. You know, and your ears will probably pop. Like, and you, know, you just, just like, I don't know, get crushed to death. But it's amazing, right? Like deep sea things, you know, there's a, there's, there's a word when people are terrified. You know, there's a phobia of like really deep sea things or the sea because you don't know what's underwater or something. I totally get it. I don't have it. <laughs> but because of water? <laughs> no, because you don't know what's down there. Okay. Just, I'm just there's a thing. Oh, it's being afraid of the dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that. Anyway, I have another story. Okay. Um so out west of again, Australia story, out oh, west nice. of Mildura. Uh-huh. Um, there is this Wakaru station. Um, it's a remote substance abuse re- rehabilitation oh, center. Awesome. Yes, they are. They have now though pledged to build one that is in Mildura because this place mm. I think is like four hours out of the town. And yeah, I don't know if any of you guys have you know experienced yourself or known someone who experiences substance abuse or addiction or misuse. And it it's a hard thing mm. that you're going through. And that's what some of these guys who have been through these programs are saying. You know, when you get to the point that you kind of feel defenseless and helpless against yourself, that's a hard place to be. Mm. And so, yeah, the the closest one, as I said, it, it's four hours away. And so last week the Victorian government has committed to building a new withdrawal and rehab facility. Um, the pledge comes actually after decades of campaigning for something like this uh, because this town, I believe, just has a massively high rate or, or the highest rate of suicide of any regional Victorian local government. Mm. And... A big part of that, they found that substance mis- misuse was a key contributor to this thing, uh, which is just a really interesting thing when you go into, you know, all the avenues of mental health and well-being and and what it kind of looks like to support people as they're going through this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, we I have there's a, I go to a church plant and a couple of the guys that we have there. It's just been amazing that they're very open at sharing their stories. But this is one thing that they talk about that you know they just kind of hang out with us. We have this thing called Big Camp that mm. happened a little while ago. I don't know if you guys have talked about it, mm. but yeah, we, we you know Lyle and Shell went up there, interviewed some people. So yeah, the listeners know a, a, a few of them. Yeah, and mm. one of the guys who I think you maybe at some point interviewing, um, he was there and he had never really been exposed to like Christianity, mm. and he. He and his friend just left, just saying, "This is utopia," you know. Like, <laughs> honestly, anyway, but totally. what he was amazed about is the idea that you have a whole bunch of people gathering to kind of get to know each other better, get to worship God. And he and his, you know, his friend, they just went, you know, you guys don't even drink. Like, this mm. is actually a ludicrous kind of thought. And um, yeah, I just, yeah, I think this is a really important thing to be having um, in communities where it's like not just condemning people for where they're at, but hey, how do we help you? Mm when you're in the spaces of not being able to help yourself. Yeah, you know? definitely. I actually, it kind of reminds me of what I, I, I got to preach last weekend and my sermon title was How to Make Friends. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and it was all about, you know, our capacity as Christians to meet people's needs. And one of the biggest needs that we have in our context at the university is that so many people are lonely and struggling mm. um, and so many people feel isolated because they're in their studies and they've got so much pressure and whatever it may be. And I was talking, you know, so this is our key opportunity here as a church to meet people's needs and to be a blessing to them. Um, and that is by being friends with them. And, you know, I talked through and then I kind of reflected on my own story at the end, uh, just saying like, man, like I was struggling with so many things like before I became a Christian, you know, whether it's loneliness or depression or alcoholism in the same boat as those guys. But I was like, literally through having 
God working in my life, but through those friends that I had in church, I was put in a new environment where I could see clearly what God wanted for me. And, uh, you know, I've been sober ever since. So praise the Lord for this facility. Praise the Lord for those guys as Mm. well. And we really pray that um, they would stay on their journey with God, you know, growing out of, you know, uh, addiction abuse and whatnot. But right now, this is Isla Vista Worship and John uh, Jin Han with Call Me Your Own. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we're going to have another clue for the quiz. Yes, uh, so this is a Who Am I quiz. This is clue number two. Am I reading the first one as well? Or just go on to the second one? Second okay, one. okay. Yeah. So I looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout Xerxes' kingdom. Wow. Who was this person? Oh, I know who this is. <laughs> <laughs> I even have the answer on the bottom, but yeah. Who is this person? They look for a way to destroy all of the Jews throughout Xerxes' kingdom. Uh, If you text in the response to 0491-064-669, just saying, may I, with the answer, um, because you will go into the draw to win this week's prize. Yeah, man, this person's a bit anti-Semitic. It's a a time. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, Yeah, we... Interesting character. We'll see if they redeem themselves, maybe, or possibly not. Oh, possibly not. <laughs> we'll see. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Again, if you answer correctly, you will go into the draw to win the Conflict of the Ages box set, like books that are incredible, amazing that we have read. They are also expensive and mm. beautiful, and you will get them completely for free. So please send your answers. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Okay, let's talk about the UK. Okay, and tell us. I we we actually talked about the UK a fair bit yesterday. We're going to talk about them more today uh, because it has come out that uh, that for the second year in a row, the government has confirmed and promised that they will be bringing in a conversion therapy ban uh, as a result of uh, well, most recently uh, the. Queen, she gave a speech, and as a result of that speech, uh, she said some words in there that indicated their plans to make this bill. She specifically said um, that they have intentions to stop abhorrent practices which do not work and cause extensive harm. Mm -hmm. This is their their plan. This is their goal with their uh, anti-conversion therapy bill. And now we have a conversion therapy bill here in Australia. It's something that we have covered on the radio show uh, before. And the intent of the inversion therapy bill at its very core is to stop exactly that conversion therapy in regards to um, the LGBT community, um, that you can't have a medical practice uh, or any other institution run a program in which the end of that program is that people mm. stop, uh, you know, identifying with what their sexuality is. Now, Interestingly, in Australia, and I think the thing that a lot of Christians struggled with with this bill is that, well, conversion therapy has not really existed in Australia for a long time, um, especially on the church side in terms of like an institutionalized program um, that takes gay people and tries to, you know, pray the gay away or straighten them out or, or whatever it may be. That hasn't existed for a long time, and it's actually very rarely existed in Australia. In fact, what has existed in Australia is state-sponsored government programs to convert gay people because for a long time homosexuality was illegal, mm. and so they would give you electric, electric shock therapy to you know overcome you know a medication to overcome your homosexuality. This was the more common practice. Now, this has been related to churches here in Australia. This legislation, which has gone as far as to ban praying for someone. 
that. Even if they ask for even it. Even if yeah. they, this is the big point. If someone comes to you consenting and saying, hey, look, I, you know, I am having these particular sexual feelings. This is something we cover in the show, but I just want to quickly explain because I want to compare this to what's happening in the UK. If someone comes to you and say, I have these sexual feelings, but I do not want to have them. I do not want to have these unwanted, like these sexual, you know, feelings, um, uh, unwanted in my case. And they come to you consensually and, and consent and say to you, can you please pray for me so that I can overcome these problems? Because I believe that God works and I believe I need prayer. And, you know, say they come to me and I pray for them. Now, if someone overhears me doing that, they can report me to the police and I can go to jail for up to 10 years and be fined a very large amount of money for doing so because whether they consent or not, that is seen as harmful behavior according to the state of Victoria. Um, Now, this bill is also a big talking point in our upcoming election because if it exists down in Victoria, which is a uh, labor, you know, governed state, and then the rest of Australia becomes labor governed, then the thought is, oh, won't this bill then be transplanted into mm. all the states all or, the states. you know, or won't, will it either become a federal law or will the Australian government, you know, the Al- Albanese government, will they try to push it through in each one of the states? Now, the uh, the Labor Party has actually said that they won't do that. Uh, they actually have, have promised that there would be, you know, they, they didn't have intentions to do that, but they're trying to win an election. We don't really know what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but ultimately, in the UK, now... They yeah, is this are, a similar thing? Like, they, is, yeah, they, yeah, so they're bringing up this conversion therapy bill. And uh, they want to, you know, to ban conversion therapy. And the claim is, you know, to protect LGBT people from harassment and trauma and abuse, which, like, we should protect everyone from harassment, trauma, and abuse. I completely agree in, in that sense. And... As I was reading through this article, uh, I wasn't necessarily seeing, you know, from any of the, I guess, the proponents of the bill or from anyone in government, any restrictions uh, on Christians. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, in terms of prayer, like it it looked like it was more on the institutional side because England does have a history of like institutionalized and not, and by institutionalized, I don't mean in the church. I mean, in the government, in the hospital, like institutionalized conversion therapy, like electric shock therapy and those kinds of things. They have a history of that. I'm pretty sure it's in that, in England where that's like one of the first countries where it even started, uh, you know, therapy to like up until that point, it's like illegal and Mm. like, People are, when someone is gay, it's like illegal and they're like either, you know, heavily persecuted socially, which is also, I I think, not a good situation. Uh, But then, you know, they had, yes, state-sponsored therapy and they want to get rid of this uh, by bringing out this anti-conversion therapy bill. Um, But there have been some, like, Christian commentators on this that have said the government says it wants to protect religious freedoms in the legislation, but many of those calling for the ban simply do not agree with them. They want to ban, uh, they want the ban to be a new speech crime, a kind of LGBT blasphemy law to criminalize those who express the wrong, quote unquote, wrong opinions, Um, which is something we actually chatted about this yesterday in the UK, you know, street preachers in the UK who have been arrested for expressing views that aren't illegal, uh, but because they come from the Bible and because people feel offended about them and it's specifically in the LGBT space, um, then they get arrested and then, you know, they get arrested because someone complains. But then in in the case of the pastor we were talking about yesterday, then the court throughout the case, because they was like, there's no case against this guy. This guy wasn't sharing views that are illegal. Like, he's not sharing, like, 
racism or anti-Semitism or like, you know, Nazi ideals, which is like just some examples of views that are banned by law. He's sharing like a Christian view about like the, the family unit. Like that's, that's not illegal for him to do so. Now this law, as, as this person has commented specifically Simon Calvert from the Let Us Pray campaign, um, what he's saying is that whilst with contained within the law itself at the moment and in some of the discussion about the law, it doesn't seem religious. Many people who want this law to exist also like want to do the same thing that we've bring in legislation similar to what we have here in Australia, where you can be fined or banned for praying for people or sharing an opinion that is contrary. uh, But you know, from the Bible. So yeah, it's an interesting space to watch, you know, will this, this style of legislation end up in the UK and we'll see as Christians in the UK are already kind of uh, being, I would say, you know, mildly persecuted uh, for their ideals and by mildly, you know, going, being arrested for talking on the street isn't that mild, but also they're not dying for being Christian, which is what is happening in a lot of other countries. So it'll be an interesting one to follow and watch, you know, what will prevail here? Uh, Will it be, you know, I would say, will it be common sense and, you know, protecting those who are, you know, protecting those from trauma whilst at the same time, you know, keeping intact freedom of speech and liberty for everyone? Or will it, will this legislation be heavily one-sided and that can go, that can go either way. So we'll see how it tracks in the future. Now, I said I was going to talk about the Anglican church and some things that were happening with it in Australia, but right now I only have 20 seconds left. So maybe this will be a story that we will cover tomorrow. Uh, It just seeing how, you know, there's some big divisions happening there as well as around the world, a number of evangelical churches are dividing over similar issues. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And we have another clue for the quiz, our third clue. What is it? Give it to us, Minnie. Okay, clue number three. Who am I? You can read all about me in the book of Esther. Who is this person? I better give you the last one just so, like, there's a few people in Esther. Uh, clue number two was I looked for a way to destroy all of the Jews throughout uh-huh. Xerxes' kingdom. Uh-huh. So this person is from the the book of Esther. I was like, man, is it Esther? Yeah, no, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, context in the other clues. Uh-huh, that's right. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. If you get the answer correct, you will go into the draw to win our prize this week, which is the Bible study companion set of the Conflict of the Ages. Incredible books. I believe the next book, I talked about prophets, patriarchs and prophets. Then we have prophets and kings, which actually covers this story that is we are Ooh. talking about in our quiz, um, which is about from basically the time of Solomon all the way up until the time of Jesus and how God was working through there. But 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. Right now, we've come to our time for a in- guest interview. And as usual, on Wednesdays, we have Jennifer Skuse on the phone. Jennifer, are you there with us? I am. Good morning. Fantastic. So great to have you here on the show this morning. And I believe we're going to continue to cover, um, yeah, our brain. We've been talking about the makeup of our brain, the reactions of our brain, how it deals with trauma, Mm -hmm. how it changes. Mm -hmm. What are we going to be covering today in regards to the brain? Well, because the brain is such an amazing part of God's creation, we don't know everything about it. I think it's important that we do know because, when the brain knows what it does, it works mm. a lot smarter. Wow. And our brain is actually, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Our brain is actually made up of three, um, I guess you can say three 
not just parts of the brain, but three functions or sections of the brain that work in unity or need to work in unity. If anything disturbs that functioning of those three areas, then this is when you have uh, illness, trauma, stress, and the brain can't function well. So I thought we'll go over what those three parts of the brain are that make up the total package. Uh, and there are more than these, but these are three main segments or, or functions that have been identified. Um, mm -hmm. The first one is your survival brain, and the mm -hmm. survival brain is not conscious. It doesn't think. It just reacts. Mm -hmm. And it's set up to protect us. This is where God in all his wisdom knows we need protection. And it protects us in the way that it gets what we call the fight-flight mechanism going. Mm -hmm. So it's like a radar scanning constantly. Um, and then if it picks up on something it thinks is a threat and it doesn't, well, it doesn't think, but it just reacts as though it's a threat, it starts pump, uh, getting the adrenals to pump adrenaline and cortisol. Mm -hmm. Then we go into the fight-flight mode, which means we've got to stand up and fight or flight. Now, if you've been traumatized and your, your conscious mind doesn't pick up what the threat is, you, go, you can go into what we call freeze mode. We can be stuck in time. So instead of the brain knowing what to do, it actually gets stuck, it freezes. And we have a lot of freeze-type disorders, dissociation, depression, even anxiety is what we call a freeze disorder. Mm. And it's like the brain is stuck in time warp as far as survival goes, and it will interpret a cue, a what it thinks, thinks is a threatening cue, um, it interprets it as though it is a threat, and it's a threat. Of course, the ultimate threat, as we know, is your life. Mm. So um, to survive, we've got to do something to protect ourselves. If we can't do a healthy thing, escape or fight, then um, we just shut down. Mm. Um, now, you brought up that, a, a word there that I, that I find really interesting, yeah. uh, the word cortisol. Uh, now, from yeah. what I understand, cortisol uh -huh. is like a – it's like a – particle or a hormone or something like that that kind of flies yep, around our body yep. and it's created yep. as a result of stress right yeah now i was going to say from what i understand about cortisol i've had conversations mm -hmm. with this about people is that it's, it's basically the stress hormone like we get stressed we produce yep. cortisol and then as a yep. result we begin to like the body begins to you know store all the energy that it gets put in it as fat and starts yes. to like basically protect yes. itself. It's like preparing for the yes. worst. And so That's literally it. from like, uh, from what I understand, stress can negatively affect our physical health uh, because, you know, this, this mm -hmm. stress hormone like flies around the body and just starts to, you know, make us like, either pack on weight or whatever it may be. It can uh -huh, go the, uh -huh. the other direction. Um, but also, yeah, uh -huh. uh, then you end up with like a, adrenal fatigue and, and all kinds Absolutely. of things. So uh -huh. that uh -huh. is, that uh -huh. is like definitely the place I don't want to be. And I don't want to have my survival <laughs> brain, you know, going crazy yeah. and creating a ton of cortisol because then yeah. I'll end up, yeah. yeah, really, really unhappy yeah. and stressed out and tired. And that's it, and that's what a lot of people are, particularly with the traumas that are currently around. But with, uh, there are hundreds, apparently, of different stress hormones, but two that are major players, they use adrenaline, and the adrenaline is to give strength, speed, it gets the brain racing, mm. um, and then the cortisol, it's almost like an opposing factor, it's a balancer, but it's produced in 
um, that stress response. A good example is if you're in a car accident mm-hmm. um, and people have said to me, it's like it's, everything slowed down. It was like, yeah. wow, I could, yeah, I could see it happening, but it was in slow motion, and that is what cortisol does. Adrenaline yes. revs it up, and this is how the brain can cope with the trauma because of those two particular components. Mm. Now, of course, if we didn't have adrenaline, we wouldn't take action. So this is, but if you can't take action, that's when it, it internalizes that energy, internalizes and gets locked into the cell, mm. and that's where trauma then builds because we haven't been able to deal with it. Mm. So this is uh, one of the problems. But um, adrenaline and cortisol, when they are overloaded, which is what you're talking about, when we maintain it, when we have too much of it. And that is we go into the stress response, but we don't normalize it. We don't bring that response down mm. and we can walk around all day. With it. Um, accident is a prime example or a near accident. Like you're driving down the road and someone shoots out to the, from a direction you're not expecting and immediately you put the brakes on and if you didn't have and stop and you think, how on earth did I miss that accident? Mm. Now, you're going to drive around with that adrenaline and cortisol yeah, well. in your system, mm. yep, and you're going to be on red alert and primed for another accident, oh, okay? Yeah, you can well. go home and get wound up and can't sleep. So unless you actually bring that response down, that stress response down, and that's what I help people do, and there's a very simple way of doing it. So, And I think like, we, we have stresses during the day, might be a sore slant, for example, with adrenaline and cortisol. Doing a simple breathing technique where you, um, and I, I have mentioned this before, but where you slowly breathe, breathe as though you're breathing in through the heart space. And I find if you're on your own, put your hand there and the hand actually slows the heart down. It's like a, scientifically they find it does that. It's a, it's a um, Oh, it, well, when you have a shock, don't you just grab that area? Your hands go to that area, and it helps protect the heart. But then when you breathe into the deeper part of the lungs, you actually focus your attention on the heart area. It slows the heart down. The heart, the brain, the survival brain then switches off adrenaline and cortisol because if the heart's right, the brain's right. Mm. Um, we, we only think of stress as the brain, but it's really the whole system. So a simple technique, that slow, deep breathing, about five in if you're consciously doing it, five out, in through the nose, like blowing through a straw, out through the mouth, you slow it down. And within a couple of those breaths, you'll find that adrenaline cortisol is stopped and you're feeling calm again. It's as simple as that. I just had a question for you because something that I've noticed, I'm studying primary teaching, nearly the end of the year, but something that I've noticed uh, with different children that I've worked with is this is a really yes. interesting like brain body connection, which I don't know if you've yes, talked it about is. it um, in the past weeks, but it's almost like there's something to sometimes getting your body in that better state. It's yes. not tricking your brain, but it's almost like your body can do something before your it's brain understands. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. It's doing, yeah. Because we work from body to brain. We can't just fix the brain and what it's doing unless you, change the physiology and the heart is a prime mover. The heart-brain connection is well-researched and it's the heart that we have to change initially and slow it down and the brain will reset itself. Instead, we try and reset the brain. Oh, what's wrong with me? And I shouldn't be feeling like it. It's wonderful. You teach, 
yeah, teach them a simple breathing technique. Just get them to slowly breathe if they're wound up and can't stop and just calm it down and get them all doing that and you'll find that it will make a huge difference. Mm. Well, that's that's something I've noticed is that sometimes in the asking someone to tell you what's wrong, sometimes that actually makes it worse. You know, the whole it let's does. talk it through. That that, that actually yeah. sometimes is really the the worst place to start. Um, so it's just well, kind of interesting hearing the science yeah. behind it. Well, what happens when you talk about it again? Your your brain thinks it's happening again. Mm. It doesn't. Your brain that the survival brain doesn't discern between time. It doesn't go, oh, that happened ages ago. Once you talk about it, it's like it's back in the trauma. All right? So one of my criteria when I'm working with a client is you don't need to tell me the trauma. You just need to tell me how it's affecting you in the present, and that's what we work. Yeah, wow. It releases it. Mm. So mm. it's very powerful and very very simple, but getting people to learn to do it is uh, the big factor. You've got a, that neuroplasticity of the brain. You have to get people to change the way their brain's working in those circumstances. Mm. That's actually a really good point. So neuroplasticity, because from this point Uh forward, are we left Uh in a place in which we are constantly stressed or afraid or whatever it may be, and we're we're just always having to resort to breathing exercises, or do you have the ability to train that stress or fear Uh out of your brain? That's, That's the big question for me. Okay. Well, you have the ability to train the brain to do the breathing when the stress hits. Uh, mm-hmm. And you, it's like it's like when you learn to drive a car. If you remember learning to drive, it was a nightmare trying to think of everything <laughs> and put it all together. Right? Yeah. Now you now you get in the car and you don't even think about it. Well, mm-hmm. this is the brain has learnt the habit; it goes on to autopilot, mm-hmm. and this is what we want to do with the using the breathing because the conscious mind wants to be wants relief; it doesn't want to be stressed. Mm-hmm. So when you do the breathing, it quickly learns, oh, relief. So and I get people to do it not just when there's a trauma or when you're stressed. I get them to do it when they go to bed at night, they have a dream or a nightmare, wake up. And it's like you've got to prompt yourself, learn to do it. Same when you get up in the morning, clear the air, you know, just get reset the whole system. And when you have a meal, because we're often rushed and stressed, and if you don't do that breathing and slow it down, you're not digesting well. You see, so it's, it's something we need to learn to breath the breath of life. Literally, we have a breath of life, and this getting this breathing in where we're slowing it down and consciously aware of the heart and the body and settling, then we've reset. The whole brain is working again. I could imagine it's like imagine. so you've got the your heart rate slowing down, and, and we talked about this a little bit yes. last week as well. But I could also imagine yes. because of the increased amount of oxygen going to the brain uh, and our yes. muscles and our body and everything, we yes. just would have yes. that tendency yes. to think clearer, to think more logically, yes. um, to to work mm-hmm. better as well. You know, to be stronger. Like you see, when bodybuilders, mm. not bodybuilders, but weightlifters, when they hit the big weights, they're like mm-hmm. they take in a huge mm-hmm. breath to oxygenate the nu- muscles, and then as they lift, they usually hold and then release all the, all the air yes. at once. And yes. so I could imagine that the same thing happens with the brain. It's an organ that works on oxygen and water, just like the rest of our body. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. I could imagine that would be so yeah. good for the brain to just breathe. It is because all of that, um, it, it makes a difference. And this is a prime example of breathing is panic when we go into panic. And I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack, mm. But a lot of people have panic attacks and it's totally physiology. And when they have a fear, it sets them to start 
over breathing and they might feel anxious and then they start to take in a long breath and put out a short breath. And what they're doing is they're pumping up the oxygen and depriving the, the lungs of carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is a natural ventilant and ventilant opens the lungs. So if you've got too much oxygen and not enough carbon dioxide, the lungs start to tighten, mm-hmm. you start to get pain, you start to sweat, your whole system is a horror story and people fear the reaction, not understanding that by correcting the breathing, you stop the panic. Wow. You can't think your way through it. In fact, the brain will shut down the body when it, or the, where it faints or passes out in a panic attack because it's too much oxygen, not enough carbon dioxide, and it has to stop everything to get the, the, the system to start breathing properly. Yeah. That's the worst scenario. Awesome. Mm. So, so when you're stressing out, yeah. just breathe. Hey, Jennifer, breathe, unfortunately. Even it out. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, go. yeah, we've come to the end <laughs> of our time. But thank you for joining us this morning, giving us some very insightful information. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.